0: What's all right, back here at Lawler Arena. Mike McNick and John Lady with you. Game one, hockey quarterfinals, and our score after the first period: Maine leads Merrimack one 0 nothing on a power play goal by Gustav Nyquist, who was assisted by Tanner House and Brian Flynn. That goal came at 19:30 of the first period. We had shots, the, rather shots on goal in the first period. Nine-seven in favor of the Black Bears. And joining us is Mike Logan, Providence Radio, also calling the game tomorrow night for the Sports Network. Nets
1: and uh, well, Mike, special teams difference in the first period. Yeah, I, I thought Maine played a real good road period, Mike. It was a situation. Merrimack came out very aggressively, and they were on top of them probably the first five minutes, uh, and then they took the first penalty uh, before the, the five-minute major, but I thought as the period went on, Maine did a good job establishing themselves, did not being rebounds for Merrimack. It was a lot of one and done, uh, and then obviously uh, the penalty on Vigos, actually I'm no surprised he's still in the game. I thought that would be not only the five-minute major, but he'd be gone. Uh, but a big goal for Nyquist at the end of you know, and I think when you come in here, especially this year, if you can shrink the game, uh, which Maine did, you know they got a one-goal lead and 40 minutes ago. Uh, but it, I mean, this building was always tough, but this year, it's, the last two years, this has become a, a heck of a home ice advantage for Maryland.
0: Yeah, you're talking about the penalty, the five-minute major, and I agree it could well have gone either way there. You wonder, playoffs, is, is there a little more reluctance on the part of the officials to, to
1: give a guy the gate? You know, it's interesting because in sitting here watching this, also watching the BU Northeastern game uh, on the computer, there was a similar hit, own hit uh, Ferreo for Northeastern up high at least. You know, at first blush, it looked like it would be a five-minute, but they ruled that uh, he must have caught him in the shoulder, and I think that does play into it. Especially if it's game one. Uh, you know, you, I think as a referee, you, you maybe want to give the benefit of the doubt and not take out. In this case, you know, one of Merrimack's better defensemen. Now you're down a defenseman for pretty much two-thirds of the game.
0: I want to talk about the game you're calling tomorrow night for Nesson, of course, and talk about you know your what you see is the storylines so far, but as you mentioned uh, in the opening of this interview here, you, you work with Providence, you've been doing their games for a number of years, and of course, uh, coaching change this week, we learned about uh, Tim Army's going to move on. Um, uh,
1: surprised, not
0: surprised, your thoughts there?
1: You know, it's unfortunate. Um, as, I've, as I've said to people, in life, sometimes things look great on paper, and for whatever reason, they don't work out. And, you know, I'd like to just chalk it up to that. Uh, the school means a lot to Tim. It isn't out of a lack of effort. And you know, for whatever reason, the first three years you look at it, two fifth place finishes. Uh, the last three years, it, they've gotten better each year. And, and if you look at the microcosm, pieces of the game were better. But you know, just the last couple of years, they've hit these long streaks of, of not being able to pick up points. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, and and sometimes maybe it's... You know, a change is good. I think the key part for the college is who comes next, because you're now looking at a situation where uh, five straight losing seasons, three straight out of the playoffs, and uh, interest has waned a little bit. And I really think Bob Driscoll, in the next month or so, has a very important decision. All you have to do is look here at Merrimack, look out at Union. What? The right guy in the right place is done. Um, I like Tim Armie a lot. I think Tim's a good coach. Uh, For whatever reason, it didn't work here, Uh, and I wish him nothing but the best down the road. You
0: know, I wonder when I look around and and you see how different programs have had a a, a resurgence and so on, and you mentioned Union and, and of course, Dartmouth lately and uh, uh, Merrimack here, obviously, and me. I hear coaches over and over talk about recruiting, that it comes down to recruiting, getting the players. They
1: give so much credit. You the
0: know, coaches that are successful give so much credit to their assistant coaches who are, have been able to go out and find those players, and, and it
1: really seems like, like that's the case. Yeah, and you know sometimes, Mike, all it takes is one class, uh, you know, and a couple of guys to really jumpstart it. Uh, and, and I don't think Providence is that far away from the standpoint of they've got a couple of good kids coming in defensively they're solid they've got Alex Bodry for another year but you're right I think that's the biggest challenge and I like the way Mark Dennehy talked about it is that he focused more going out and recruiting John Powers did a great article in The Globe about going out I think he mentioned you know hanging the hockey east on the door that don't worry as much about what Merrimack hasn't done. Think about who you're going to be playing, the league you're in, you got national champions, uh, and, and it's sales. I mean, really, recruiting is sales. And in some respects, you're taking a flyer on kids. You go watch a kid, and the projection, uh, you know, if you hit on one of three recruits now, I think you're doing a pretty good job.
0: Mike Logan's with us. He's calling the game tomorrow night for Nesson, New England Sports Network. Uh, TV time, 7 o'clock, and then 7.30 game time, uh, you're gonna be working that game with Craig Janney tomorrow. Uh, what are you gonna be your top storyline?
1: Well, you know it's interesting. Um, you know, for me, just the fact that Merrimack for the second time in the history of the program has a home game uh, coming off. The weekend up at 4 uh, Maine right now is playing great hockey. This is, I believe, eight straight games and scored the first goal. Uh, 6-0-1 coming in. And they seem to be hitting their stride at the right time. Dan Sullivan is kind of plugged in and has done a great job. Uh, you know, you, you look at what Merrimack has done, and obviously you and John see him uh, every night. It, it's really remarkable, not just the way they've played here, but with the exception of this Maine team in Providence, to win the season series against everybody else in the league. And, you know, it's a situation where any of the doubters, when you look at what Merrimack's done, long winning streak on the road, um, great play here. I think it's great for the league. I've been sitting next to Joe Britannia during the first period. And, you know, stories like this are great, but as he said, kiddingly, it can make life tough for other coaches when, you know, their ADs turn around and go, hey, look at what Merrimack's doing. Why can't we get it going, too?
0: Yeah, and the atmosphere tonight, uh, I mean, there have been a number of nights this year where it's been like this, and this light night may be the best. The Vermont game that was also a TV game had a pretty good atmosphere that night as well, but it's a lot of little things. They brought in the Dayton Peff Band to get everybody going, and
1: obviously giving out the T-shirts and everything, having a block party before the game. But you don't see that too often, I guess, in college hockey. No, and, and, you know, this is when, as a guy that started college in Maine, graduated from Northeastern, this, when I think of college hockey, is the type of atmosphere he win certain buildings around the country as you have, and you just see the rabid fans, and it's really a neat story here, you know, tucked away, the, the 2,000 students, 28 players, 1 mission, it's nice to see that they've finally made the investment, not only um, monetarily, but emotionally in the product, and I think it's a great lesson, and a great... Um, point that other programs can point to and say, you know what, we can make it happen, but everybody's going to be headed in the right direction. All right, one period in the books here, uh, me leading one to nothing. What
0: happened in the second? What do you see?
1: I think the remaining minute 25 is important to start the second period. I always think it's sometimes a disadvantage for a team to come out and start a period with a power play. Sometimes it takes you, you know, a shift to get going. Uh, I think the second period is, is important. Merrimack, they're the four seeds. The expectations are they're going to win this series. This is something, and, and again, going back to the article of John Carr's Mike, he would say, you know, everything is 0-0, is zero, zero, but they can't help but think. I think the long Game one goes like this, especially given the way Maine beat up on them pretty good. Uh, I think mentally, that's going to be the biggest challenge for Merrimack in the next 40 minutes. And if they, you know, if Maine gets another one, now you're looking down 2-0. It'll be interesting to see how they how they respond. All right,
0: thanks, Mike. Great to see you as always. We appreciate you taking the time and look forward to your call tomorrow night on this. All right, thanks a lot, Mike. Great to see you. That is Mike Logan, our guest in this first intermission. Maine leads the Warriors. It is one to nothing.